You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everybody. It is draft week officially. We have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And the precipice of the greatest Chiefs draft in history is finally upon us. I, this is Veach season. Welcome back to our, our pre-draft extravaganza. I am your host, Rocky Magana, joined by my numero uno compadre, Price Carter, as always. And today, we are super privileged because we have the preeminent Chiefs film analyst and overall great guy with us today. The, the rising superstar like a meteorite shooting through the heavens. Ron Top Cop Jr. is with us for today's episode. Ron, baby boy, how we doing today, man? Thank you so much for being on the show. You get me every time, Rocky, with the preeminent. That, that word, man, you just love using it, uh, using it for the for the intro. But uh, no, man, appreciate you having me on, dude. This is uh, this is the time. This is the time to be with y'all. You know, I knew we had to get all of us together. I had you, I had you, just you, Rocky, on the, the show the other day, a little late night podding, but. Uh, Man, this is the perfect time to be podding with y'all. I'm so excited, man. It's draft week. Uh, we're going to get into it, dude. I'm so pumped up. Dude, so pumped up. Price, dude, we're here. It's time, man. How you feeling? You, you ready to, to go ape SHIT on things, bro? Fellas, it's the best week of the year. It really is. I, I love draft week. Uh, all fan bases are engaged. Everyone feels like they come away feeling better. You get NFL players being moved during the draft, new players coming to teams. I'm excited. I've got a pumpkin pie ready to break out for breakfast on Thursday morning in honor of the GOAT, the king himself, Mel Kuyper. He eats a slice of pumpkin pie every morning. So we're going to be we're gonna be locked, cocked, and ready to go. Uh, Ron, I know you're going to be down there covering it. I'm going to be down there, um, you know, just like shouting obscenities and analyzing every pick for everyone around me who didn't ask for my opinion. So I, I, it, it can't be better. I, I'm so excited. Yeah, that's the thing. Ron is going to be there covering the draft for you guys live from Union Station. So, man, stay plugged in because Ron's going to be hitting you with all the bangers. Just another one, another one, another one, like DJ Khaled all night long. And it, and side note, it doesn't surprise me that Mel Kuyper Jr. eats pumpkin pie every single day. That man looks so unhealthy. His complexion, and he just looks drained and pale <laughs> 24-7 like he's never been outside in the sun. So that totally... Totally makes sense. But Ron, man, you excited to be a credentialed uh, press member at Union Station covering the draft in your hometown? Dude, it is a blessing uh, because, yes, no, me and I should say, yeah, Serta, uh, Steven Serta, our podcast producer, produces y'all's podcast as, long, as well as everybody's uh, on the network. Uh, him, Caleb, James, and I. So Caleb joins me a lot of times on AP Film Room and on my podcast. We're all three going to be down there, man, um, bringing it to you guys um, from the, you know, wherever we can, uh, you know, from when the kind of we'll probably, you know, talk some 
before the Chiefs get on the clock, you know, as the Chiefs are on the clock, you know, some some po- post stuff, you know, we'll be we'll be down there all weekend. Man, I'm fired up because, yeah, I know you're, you're right, man. I, I think we all get into the draft. Uh, it's kind of one of those things, you know, I, I think every football writer loves getting into the draft, you know, just a little bit. It was one of the first things I, you know, really got into to, to write and stuff and blog was specifically the draft. So it is a it is a blessing, man. I'm, I'm pumped up. I'm fired up. Dude, I, I am just like so jazzed up for this week. And you're going to be down there working in your most professional manner, you know, next to the likes of, you know, the the kings of the industry, shoulder to shoulder, schmoozing. And Price Carter is going to be in the crowd booing Roger Goodell when he takes the stage. <laughs> hey, I don't I haven't decided if I'm going to boo him or not. We only boo. We only boo whenever like the Raiders or the Broncos or I guess the Broncos won't be on the clock on Thursday night, but only AFC West rivals. Yeah, only AFC West rivals. Goodell hasn't taken anything from us. I mean, we won, you know, he, you know, there's no deflate gate, you know, controversy with us. We all we went on is one. So, uh, you know, we're, we're good. We're, yeah, apparently, he took a third rounder for Jeremy J- Macklin. Uh, How dare ooh, you, Ron? Rocky, you never a forget. Third rounder. Never <laughs> kept forget. the receipts. I will hold on to that in my white knuckle dead fist until I am six feet in the ground. How dare you, Roger Goodell? I mean, but that's, hey, that's valid reason to boo. I mean, at the draft pick, I mean, hey, you know, let's do it. Let's 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 get him. <laughs> yeah, let him have it. And let him know it's for Jeremy Macklin. All right, we got to get into some actual draft content today. We can't just sit here and talk about how excited we are and how mad we are at Roger Goodell for something that happened a decade ago. Um, so 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 we know how we're going to be watching the draft. Uh, Brett Veach had a pre-draft press conference this week. There was a lot of meat on the bones um, in this press conference. Um, Price, what stood out to you about Veach's, about Veach's press conference and what he said and, and how you think it's going to apply to the draft? Well, they didn't instantly trade for a player after he was done speaking, so that seemed uh, a little newsworthy in itself, right? That was the Orlando Brown move. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's always hard to tell. Uh, it's always kind of vague. I didn't think we really learned anything super monumental. I know like some people were a little surprised about the way they talked about Charles Amina, who I feel like most of our people who broke down film kind of already knew that he was the best pass rusher from the interior and more of kind of a run stuffer on the outside. So him kicking inside on pass rush downs doesn't really feel like news. I don't really think that you're, you know, not drafting a defensive tackle now because of it. Uh, I, I thought what he had to say about kind of where the, the pockets of the draft are, was interesting it did kind of sound like if they were thinking about moving up um that you know the 18 19 20 range is kind of like where they're thinking which would make sense you've got the the Lions second pick there you've got the bucks who have a lot on their plate and you've got the seahawks second pick in that area as well too so that could make some sense and i you know i i still firmly kind of believe that if they get a good offer that the chiefs would consider moving down um, it sounds like, you know, one thing that someone brought up that I thought was a good point too, is like, Hey, if the chiefs traded pick 31 three months ago for a player. Um, we probably wouldn't be as engaged on Thursday night because we know the chiefs don't have a pick, right? But they haven't traded pick 31. If they wait until the night of to trade pick 31, people are still going to be there. The excitement's still going to be there. And Hey, everyone come back tomorrow and come watch us make more picks on the second day of, you know? So I, I, I think mission accomplished there. So those were the, just kind of my big takeaways. You know, if the Chiefs pick up, like I say, an extra third or fourth rounder, and they turn that into like a somewhat exciting prospect, like Luke Schoonmaker 
from Michigan tight end. You know, that's I I'm I, I've come around to the fact that I'm okay with it. Like Brett Veach says, we're at the party now, baby. So you know, whatever's the best move for the Chiefs, you just got to do it. But Ron, I got two questions for you. First, about Aminahieu, in your opinion, with them kicking Aminahieu inside next to Chris Jones, a is that going? What? How? How is that going to look from you know just a game wrecking standpoint on the interior? And then B, do you think that that's going to open up for the Chiefs to possibly go away from their standard Spags edge rusher to maybe go for a smaller, faster edge rusher in this draft? Well, how it's going to look is is it's going to look a lot better than it has been on a lot of third downs for the Chiefs recently when you're talking about who they've had to pair with Chris Jones on the inside. I mean, you know, there, there's some there's some, you know, some cool reps from Tershawn Wharton. I think we all kind of got excited about, you know, a few, you know, and, and he does look good a lot of times when he, when he is out there. But, you know, the, the numbers speak for themselves. He has low production. And then, you know, they, they've tried other things. They've tried pushing other guys inside, you know, I mean just you know frank clark i mean you know hey he 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 can run a loop he can run a stunt but is he really really getting any production from there well many is a guy that can actually tear apart a guard one-on-one and just and just wreak havoc and get after the quarterback um and and i just don't think guys are going to be like you know centers are going to stop double teaming chris jones because of many so he's going to keep getting those right and and it is going to be something where it's, it's a better player a more uh, fearsome rusher than what they've had there and the thing is, though, I, I still do think they want maybe more of a traditional edge because of that, because I do think he's not going to be himself a, a very traditional edge, uh, you know, on early downs for Spags. I think he is going to have to be a guy that plays his best ball on third downs, on pass downs, maybe has some of his liabilities show up uh, when he's just playing that traditional defensive end on first and second down. That's why I do think they do meet, need maybe another guy that could be a, a traditional 4-3 guy. So I would actually say it's kind of the opposite. Um, and, and I would love to see them maybe go for a more of a speed guy, more of a, but, uh, I, I have a feeling they, they could use like a, you know, some of these guys at the top of the class, like a Felix and DK Uzama, some of these tra- traditional defensive ends that could kind of fit in there. Yeah. I, I almost wonder like Ron, do you think that looking at the tape and everything, you can have too many of those guys. That's something that we've talked a little, about a little bit here. Like, can you have too many, like let, let's take Edubari, for example, uh, the Northwestern guy who's kind of classified as an edge, but looks like some, he very similar to Aminu, who his physicality and stuff might play best at the three tech. Do you think that you can have too many of those guys? Do you think that that's something that the Chiefs might need to stray away from? Absolutely. Because I think a lot of the times the things you get with those guys is they're very volatile and there's a lot of things that you can kind of scheme up and, and, and hit them with. I, I think guys that can penetrate, you know, get up field. If you have too many of those call a lot of powers and counters down blocking schemes, or you're going to be able to kind of hit inside of that and get a lot of, a lot of yards up the middle. Um, you know, I, I'm many who's going to be great from inside, you know, as a three tech, you know, uh, in kind of the Chris Jones spot. But, you know, at the same time, if you run at him, you're going to have a lot of success. I think Chris Jones actually kind of disproved that last year, right? But but other guys aren't going to have that kind of, you know, Chris Jones is an all-pro, you know, big-time guy. All these other guys that, you know, can play inside out aren't going to be that, that, that kind of obviously caliber. So I definitely think you can have too many of those guys. That's why I do think it, it would be nice maybe to get like a true – legit you know frank clark is kind of like that to an extent you know at his prime um he just you know obviously as his career went down they kind of had to find other ways to utilize him but if they could find a guy that could play at kind of what frank clark did in his prime i think that's kind of what you're needing okay so so one question really quick um with speaking about the uh um moving to the interior on the third down so then on first and second down then it seems like you know Derek naughty is a decent enough piece for a depth guy but 
it seems like the Chiefs may need some more double wide trailers there in the middle of the defensive line. Absolutely. What's your, what, what, what's, your, what's your thought on that? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I, that's why I love guys in this class like Keanu Benton. I love guys in this class like Zach Pick and Siaki Ika because I do. I it's because the Chiefs have that need, and I'm kind of fantasizing of like what it would be like to have a legit dude in there that. You know, Derek Nani was always a nice piece, always a really solid player. But I think last year really – and honestly, the last couple of years, you've really kind of seen, you know, what can happen when you don't have a guy that's actually truly stout in there that, that maybe is, you know, giving up the penetration. It hurts your linebackers. And I think if you have a guy that can really, you know, hold up, hold up, hold his own in there like some of these guys, guys can in this class, and it goes even deeper. I know you guys know about some of them. But, uh, yeah, I, I would say having an upgrade over that would be really nice, and I think it is important. Um, it'll help kind of everyone around him, especially you know Chris Jones too as well. You know, kind of freeing him up on early downs as well. And Price, you had a it seemed like you had a follow up comment on the uh, talking oh, about the. Oh, I, I just I just wanted to mark myself safe from the Chiefs taking Keon White. I just wanted to like mark myself safe from that that scandal. I'm out. We can't take him. There's too many tweeners. Too many tweeners. He's a tweener. We're done. We're we're, we're good. Pass. He's definitely a little bit of a work in progress to be like the traditional guy, but I do think he has like the, the physical ability, the athleticism kind of like what you kind of like as a, you know, in terms of athleticism body type, but I, I see what you're saying. Cause he is a tweener and he's an older player. It's not like he's some yeah, guy going to be molding. I'm pretty sure so. he, he's uh, like going to get his pension here in like five years or something. <laughs> come on, he's, come on. He's not he's an old. He, he's he, not like him and Stetson Bennett are like retiring together. But you guys, I, I, you guys act like he's Burt Reynolds out there on, <laughs> on the defensive line. It's like he's 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 still a young man. But I do have to put my flag here, I guess, on the pod. But but me and Nate have talked about this uh, on on pods and shows. But I mean, I, I do think the the Breland Speaks comp's a little ridiculous for for him. I think he's a, he's a much better player than Breland Speaks and a much better prospect. I still understand people's hesitations, and and I definitely understand yours is yours price to an extent, but. Uh, definitely, I think the Breland Speaks thing is taking a little too far. I mean, I, Speaks was nowhere near the athlete that White can shows on tape to me. Yeah, yeah. look at their Raz side by side people. Like it's they are not even. It the might same be that easy. Yeah. Type of player at all, and so we we talked about this in depth last week, so we won't get into it that much. But the Breland Speaks talk is to me is just lazy, lazy analyst analytic work, and it's we'll we'll leave it there. Um, before we move on from the beach from Veach's comments this week. I really just want to also kind of dive in a little bit. You know, he talked about calling pretty much everybody from, 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 from 30 through 20 to see, okay, what's it going to take to move up and get your draft pick on draft night if our guys there. Um, So I guess, you know, I'll start with you, with you price for what do you think it's going to take for the chiefs to move up, say eight spots or five spots, whatever, and then who's the player that you think that they might go up for? It's tough, right? I, as far as compensation goes, I really think that they, you know, would they give up? I definitely think that extra fourth rounder that they have, they're going to start with a, a, a pick swap, obviously, of the first round pick, try to cash that in, and then maybe a future third, a future second, depending on how far they're going to go. Now, who's the player? That's where it starts getting interesting. Um I think it's probably going to have to be a faller, in my opinion. I think it's going to be someone that we're sitting in, you know, 15, 16, 17 pick area. And it's a player that we're like, how is this guy still there? A little Trent McDuffie-esque. We saw them 
you know, they didn't think that they were going to be in that zip code. He was there. They went and got him. Um, you know, we're about to talk about some of the players that they met with, say Flowers. That one feels a little bit pipe dream to me. I feel like I feel like he's probably not making it past New England. Honestly, um, they've had real interest in him. Um, I also think. You know, Broderick Jones feels a little bit of a pipe dream, but, you know, stranger things have happened as well. If someone really believes in Skronsky as a tackle, um, you've got Skronsky, you've got Paris Johnson. Um, I think, I think you know, we've talked about it a little bit. I really think the two wild cards in the first round are going to be corners. How much do, because there's a lot of hype around this corner class. If some of the corners get pushed up, and then, you know, you throw in like a Hendon hooker or something in there, or maybe if one of the quarterbacks starts to fall, um, you know, right now, like CJ Stroud's kind of the follower a little bit. If Stroud starts to fall and someone moves up, I, I could see it happening um, where, you know, if, if you can get up to pick 19 and get Broderick Jones, that's pretty enticing. And I'll also say the Buccaneers are at 19 and a pretty tackle needy team as well. Like, I don't know why they wouldn't take Broderick Jones unless they just kind of look in the mirror and be like, Oh wait, we suck now and kind of, you know, bite the bullet there and, and trade down. So uh, it's tough because what the chiefs really could trade up for pretty much every team in front of them needs, you know, like the bills are kind of a wide receiver tackle needy team. The Bengals are a tackle needy team um, edge as well. Uh, so it, it's challenging to kind of really see what they would need. Yeah, and so Ron, I guess so. First of all, I want to kind of get your take on the same thing. Like, you know, what do you think it's going to take to move well, up, and who do you think they might they might get? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll make it quick. I do think like because Price made a lot of good points, but I think like one guy that that maybe I did miss you mention him, but I don't think you did. But like, it does make a lot of sense to me that if he gets to a certain range, they'll go for it. Is darn all right the Tennessee offensive tackle, right? Because he's a right tackle because. You know, he he is a very good player. I think he's a very great combination of size and, you know, the the foot quickness, kind of the athleticism you kind of want to see uh, from your offensive tackles. So that's the guy I would think, like, honestly, makes a lot of sense the more you think about it. Um, because, you know, again, I think you look at receiver, edge rusher, I think those two positions, you have the fat kind of at the position in the round two, round three range, you know, and, and a lot of those. Um, I don't think you can say the same thing about offensive tackle. I think if you want to get a guy that that you feel good about, um, to start at, you know, and that's the thing, man. I, I, I kind of debate this, right. Cause it's like, Hey, is, is a fifth guy on the offensive line, a luxury pick when you have four other guys you really feel good about. But at the same time, that, that, that fifth guy is only one of two positions that are protecting the edge for Patrick Mahomes. So it's like, it is a super important position. That's why I go back and forth, but I really would like to see them invest heavy in it. And that's where like trading up for a guy like Darno Wright um, would make sense to me. So yeah, that's the well, one I could see. And so kind of hitting this from both angles about Broderick Jones and Darnell Wright also, this ascension we've seen of Darnell Wright moving from a second-round tackle kind of earlier in this draft process to now being a mid to late first-round kind of almost lock in a lot of people's eyes. Mid, yeah, he is that, mid, that's, yeah. That, is, that could push Broderick Jones further down the draft board than he, than he would have necessarily. Like you're saying, okay, so why would the – why would the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pass on Broderick Jones? Well, maybe because they like Darnell Wright. You know what I mean? And so, and so there's there's those that possibility that Darnell Wright, that a tackle needy team is going to opt for Darnell Wright when they would have maybe opted for Broderick Jones, um, especially if they have needs at both tackle positions, you know, or they have a guy they feel confident in it that can play either side, you know. So maybe they'll just pick their poison. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The Steelers and the Bucks are kind of in that 17. I think they're Steelers are 17, Bucks are at 19. I think those two 
if, if you can kind of get if, if one of the guys you like gets back those two guys and gets to 20, I think that's where you can maybe trigger on the, the trade up um, because those two are really tackle needy, in my opinion, and, and would make a lot of sense for either of those guys. Yeah, no, I think I think 100 percent. And I and, think and, that- and I sorry, I would say because you you did ask what it would take to get up. And I do think to get to that range, I mean, it, it would probably take the second round pick, wouldn't it? Don't you think? Um, or. Is it a future third, maybe, um, or I mean, a future second, and and then like this year's fourth, maybe, uh, to to make it to make it happen? I mean, it's got to be. I think that's to get into the late teens. I think you do kind of have to give it up a little bit uh, from where the well, team's sitting. And that's another question I have for you guys, uh, and I'll take both your guys' feedback on this. With the draft, with the draft being in Kansas City this year, you kind of want to take as many of your swings as you can as possible in front of your fans, right? But at the same time, you want to have the flexibility to move up so does it make more sense to 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 trade next year's draft pick so if you have to give up a second round draft pick but you still want to be able to take a second round draft pick in front of your fans are you more in favor of trading next year's second round draft pick to move up or next year's third round draft pick and and holding on to this year's assets when you're in kansas city or do you think it just really doesn't matter yeah i mean you make a valid point i think it's a very unique situation with the draft being in kansas city i just think about what a gut punch it is to pretty much every other team that the philadelphia eagles were an absolute brick house of a team and took the chiefs down to the wire in the super bowl and they have pick 10 in the freaking draft my man that's crazy and they've done this year over year by rolling it back. We're just going to roll back. We're going to, you know, trade down. And they've done this time and time again. And I think I would love for the Chiefs to be in that place. I, I understand what you're saying about the draft in Kansas City. And I think that's probably how they think, which is very noble of them. Um, but I, I would like to let them know that I'm a smarter fan than that. And um, I enjoy Super Bowl parades more than drafts at the Union Station. Um, but I, I think the prevailing thought is probably more of what you're saying, that you know maybe this is the year that they try to get aggressive. Honestly, I feel like there's probably 15 to 20 true first-round picks in this draft, and unless one of those guys is falling, I'd much rather either see them trade down or stick at their pick. I don't think, you know... Offensive tackle five or wide receiver three in a bad wide receiver class or edge four or five is necessarily worth giving up the value. We've seen what this type of what a draft, you know, what a couple of drafts with value can do for the Chiefs over the last two years. No, 100 percent. And I, I see that, too, you know, and so uh, what are your thoughts on it, Ron? Well, that's the thing is, is like I said, I, I really do feel like, uh, you know, with, with where the Chiefs are at, um, you know, First of all, it just makes sense for it to be kind of a position like an offensive tackle, um, you know, something with the with the positional value. But in terms of trading the future capital, too, if you think about it, like they've you can kind of almost look at it like this. They've had good drafts these last couple of years, and, and we always call them good because they've had impact players on the field right away. We don't know for sure how good they're going to be until obviously they get to the second contracts. But we've had a couple, you know, thick classes of, of, of guys. Do you say, hey, if we really feel good about a few of these guys we like this year, yeah, let's trade that future capital, sacrifice next year's draft, where, yeah, you're right, that you're not in front of your Kansas City uh, you know, uh, people. But you can also uh, sac- uh, kind of justify it by, by looking at it and saying, we have all these draft picks that we feel good about these last three years. We can maybe you know, have a draft where we you know, don't have as much capital to work with and, and aren't, you know, you know, able to maybe, you know, uh, fulfill the roster as much because we have so many of these guys, you can only pay so many guys. You already have so many, um, you have to make a decision on anyway. I mean, you could look at it like that too. Oh, you hundred percent could. And you never know, 
you know, who you're really going to hit on or how it's going to play out. And maybe you'll have be, you know, abnormally deep at one position and then you're going to move an asset for a draft pick or something like that down the line, you know, to kind of comp, you know, recoup some of those swings. Um, moving on. Chiefs are no longer without a veteran quarterback, Chad, Chad Henney, you know, retired after the season. And so this week news came out that, uh, that the uh, Kansas City Chiefs signed uh, Missouri Tiger Blaine Gabbert, uh, which, as a Jayhawks fan, it, it hurts me a little bit. But you know, he's not a Tiger anymore. He's now a Kansas City Chiefs. So I'm, I'm I'm a fan of the pick. I think Andy Reid loves his uh, his veteran quarterbacks. And if you look at Haney and Blaine Gabbert's career numbers, they honestly stack up pretty well side by side as far as their touchdown interception interception ratio, their records their QBRs, that sort of thing. And so what, what, what do you, what do you think, uh, Ron, are you a fan of the Gabbert signing? Well, it makes complete sense with what Andy Reid has done with the backup quarterback since uh, Patrick Mahomes has taken over. I mean, uh, you know, if you think about uh, like Chad Henney, uh, you know, he was also a guy that drafted early, early in his career was supposed to be the guy for his team, for his franchise. Um, but then just kind of, kind of fell out of favor, but you know, stuck around. I mean, Blaine Gabbert's the exact same thing. Um, he was a very high pick in the draft. He was supposed to be the guy um, and, and ended up not being the guy. And, but, you know, obviously talented enough to stick around, be a backup for Tom Brady. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I think it just makes sense. I could have been, I was expecting Teddy Bridgewater, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota. I mean, there, there are a lot of guys that could have been that fit the same category. Um, so it makes sense that it's Blaine Gabbard. Yeah. And I wrote an article earlier in the off season where I listed Blaine Gabbard as one of the four possibilities and so I'll just take a moment to pat myself on the back. I did mention Teddy Bridgewater, <laughs> Trevor Simeon yeah. as well. Uh, but we'll uh, we'll go ahead and give myself my laurels there. Uh, Price. So uh, Blaine Gabbard, do you learn anything from Tom Brady? What do, what do you what are your what what's your overall vibe like? Just what's the vibe about having Gabbard in, in in the clubhouse? What do you think? I personally think that the best thing to come out of the Blaine Gabbard signing is we can stop looking at Brugler seven round mark mock where he had Jaron Hall at pick 122. <laughs> Thank God. Okay. Like I, I get backup quarterback matters. We want to invest in the position, whatever, but 122, I, I'll pass, especially on a project like Jaron Hall. I like some of the stuff he does. I, I actually um, think that there's a chance that they could still take him, but not at 122, please. Um, you know, backup quarterbacks, one of those spots that everyone has their theories. Like I've always been a big, like get something totally different than your current quarterback. Like, I would kind of like Marcus Mariota because maybe they could run a lot more run scheme offense instead of pass orientated and really just give a different look. Or, you know, like I know this is never going to happen because he's an absolute uh, diva at this point. But like Cam Newton, if he would be willing to be the backup quarterback for the Chiefs and come in and run QB power at the goal line, like, oh, that'd be incredible. It'd be awesome. Right. But it's not going to happen. But this is fine. It's whatever they, they clearly value this. It, you know, we as Kansas city chiefs fans cannot doubt the value of backup quarterback and having a guy who can come in and do it. Um, I think it says a little bit that, you know, Tom Brady had Blaine Gabbert around and he was comfortable with him. And they even that brief little time where Tom Brady had retired and then came back, they were planning on rolling with Blaine Gabbert and felt like he gave him a chance to win. So it's cool. It's whatever. I, you know, I, I think that they may still draft a quarterback on day three, and let him compete with Bouchelle. Clearly this means that they weren't super comfortable with going into Bouchelle in the season. And I kind of agree as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think overall what, 
it's just I think more than anything they signed, but he's a he's a cheap he's a cheap signing. He's not going to cost you a lot. He's basically uh, vet minimum. He has been for his last three or four contracts that he's signed. I, I must he's, have forgotten this in the offseason. The Eagles signed Marcus Mariota as their backup yeah. quarterback. Gee, I gosh, sure dang it, dude, they're so good. They're so good at this. That makes so much sense. They're so makes good at this. Too much stuff. sense. Yeah. It's so good. Okay. Anyways. They're just printing money over there or something, man. Because like, Chip, like how 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 do they just keep on fitting him these and guys Chip, in Yeah, him cap? and Chip Kelly just missed each other, right? Like that was like Chip Kelly always wanted Marcus Mariota. They just they they were not quite there at the same time. Yeah, I think more than anything, the Blaine Gabbert signing is just so that Andy Reid can just sleep soundly at night. Like I think that he just tosses and turns if he doesn't have a backup quarterback who's over 33 years old. Like he's like he's like asleep at home dreaming of cheeseburgers and then he gets woken up. He's like, no, no. No, not over 33. They're too young. They're too young. And then uh, he, uh, and so it's just so he can get a nice, smooth night's sleep. And uh, Mrs. Reed doesn't have to, you know, you know <laughs> they're there, Andy. It's going to be okay. You well, can have a I young mean, quarterback. There was one quarterback in the draft that was almost 33 years old. Stetson Bennett could have been a nice little QB too at some point, you know, so he, he, was, he might as well be 33 years old. So that could have been, I was honestly on board with that. They never would have got a QB two. I think Stetson Bennett would have been a, a, a perfect QB two. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Not gonna yeah, no, lie. no. I mean, the guys, all the, the guys got the creden- the winning credentials. All he does is win. You know, I mean, obviously he's had quite the roster to, Played in a pro offense, low key athletic. Yeah. I don't know. I definitely feel like he could have. He could have. He he could be QB two. All right, there you heard it here. Ron Cobb <laughs> Jr. Stets, Stetson Bennett, truther, your future backup quarterback Damn. for the Kansas City Chiefs. Lock it in, <laughs> per Ron Cobb Jr., the preeminent film analyst in Chiefs Kingdom. All right, we're gonna move forward. We're gonna talk a little bit of top thirty visits the Chiefs have had. Quite a slew of guys in actually here at the end of the deadline, just kind of cramming them in a little bit. And some really big names actually came through Kansas City slash Texas um, to, to for the Chiefs to get their eyes on. Um, you know, we'll start off. They, they, we talked a little bit about them earlier. The Chiefs brought in Broderick Jones to, to check him out um, and kind of see see what, what was going on and what he's all about. Um, you know, Ron, what do what do you see in Broderick Jones? And it, you know, we talked if he's going to be a possibility for the Chiefs. You know, they probably have to move up to get him. But, but what do you think? Is he a fit for what the Chiefs want to do? Oh, absolutely. He's he's definitely a good fit for the Chiefs because of his athletic profile, kind of the the tools and traits he has as an offensive tackle. I mean, he's kind of one of those guys. You know, he's my number two rated offensive tackle. But I understand why you know you can honestly watch the film and maybe point to things and say look you know i like a few guys better than this guy because there's some things that he just doesn't put all the way together kind of you know in his inexperience he hasn't played that much at the college level honestly um but he has you know elite traits in terms of you know how he can move you know how he can you know pass that obviously just get back in 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 his sets kind of he just has that that nice foundation to work with, honestly, and his his technique. It's not perfect, obviously, because he does he can get overwhelmed with power at times, and and that's something that I the same thing with Anton Harrison at times can can be similar. Um, I, I like both of those guys a lot, and it's because I kind of project them and maybe am banking on them to kind of take that step with the right team. And that's the thing with a lot of these guys, if they get to a coach like Andy Heck or, or uh, you know Stoutland with the Eagles, I mean, all of a sudden you're you know it, it could make the difference in their career. And I think Broderick Jones is one of those guys that could you know be the best tackle in this class if he goes to the right situation because he has those tools 
So with uh, Brother Jones's current weaknesses and what he needs to work on because he is a little bit raw, is it is it something like just like his punch timing, or is it like overact, like, or it's like like um, like Mitchell Schwartz talked a little bit a couple weeks back about how sometimes you you like to see a, a lineman with quick feet, but sometimes their feet are just a little too quick and a little a little too overactive. Is it something like that? Like like what do you see as his biggest glaring thing that he would need to fix? with Andy Heck if he was if he does go to the Chiefs. Well, it's definitely just like, you know, keeping himself balanced and 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 staying, you know, kind of within himself to take on, you know, power like inside power like guys setting up with the speed and then hitting their inside shoulder. I mean, that's that's kind of, you know, honestly one thing I I didn't like about Paris Johnson, but there's a few things I don't like about Paris Johnson honestly. Um and 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 one of those is, you know, and it's a college tackle thing a lot of times too is just is just kind of oversetting and letting, you know, people win, you know, inside with power. Um, and I and I do think Broderick's one of those guys that just needs to understand a little more how to kind of, you know, not get too over overset to the outside and kind of, you know, understand and kind of trust his inside, you know, str- the strength he has to, is in, uh, you know, to his inside. I think a lot of that, though, is inexperience. I think just having the experience that a guy like Anton Harrison has as a three year starter as a true junior. That's the, the thing I honestly really like about him is he has experience and he's one of the younger prospects in this class. Broderick is one of the younger prospects in this class and is, but is also inexperienced. And so that's where I feel like a lot of it is just, you know, getting reps, playing more kind of understanding, getting a feel for, you know, pass rush moves, kind of how to attack them. But you kind of, but you can see it, man. He definitely has the tools to mirror, you know, speed rushers around the edge, but also kind of, you know, uh, you know, mirror them inside. He just has to work on, you know, kind of, you know, staying firm when they do attack us inside. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Price. Let's, let's let's shift over from uh, Roger Jones. We've given him a little bit of a little bit of, of, of runway today. Um, let's talk Zay Flowers. Zay Flowers. You know, it, it was reported that he thought he was done meeting with teams, and he was done meeting with teams because instead the Chiefs requested that he reroute himself down to Texas to join Mahomes' wide receiver camp and to run and work out with uh, QB one for an afternoon. Um, but is, is this a genius move by the Chiefs for them to kind of circumvent, you know, some of the NFL's rules and find a loophole? Or is it really just like not that big of a deal in your mind? And what do you, and what do you like about Zay Flowers? Well, I think, you know, if they were really wanting to put themselves firmly in the Zay Flowers camp, as far as like this is a player we really want to get, I'm not sure a big public visit with him throwing the, him the ball is necessarily the best plan, right? 
I don't know how those type of things go. You top 30 visits. Do you use them with players you really want to draft or players you don't want to draft and just need more information on? It's a little strategic. Zay Flowers, the player, makes a lot of sense for the Chiefs. And I feel like some of the ways that he wins are similar to the way Tyreek Hill wins. Obviously, there's only one Tyreek Hill. But the quick area and the sudden movement of him, I mean, honestly, you could have a player like him and Kadarius Tony on the field at the same time. The short area quickness would be crazy. And the way that Kadarius Tony can play on the outside, similar to the way that Zay Flowers could play on the outside, where you're winning with speed, um, agility, contested catches as far as like, just the raw athleticism to track the ball and go and get it. And then, you know, really stand out in the slot. All those things are really exciting about Zay Flowers and frankly feels like the type of player the Chiefs would prefer at wide receiver rather than a Quentin Johnston or Cedric Tillman or even maybe a Jonathan Mingo, even though Mingo kind of is similar to what they did with Juju Smith-Schuster this past year. To me, if the Chiefs really love Zay Flowers and maybe they just wanted Mahomes to, you know, get the last check of approval, then they're that that would tip their hand that they're wanting to move up to go get them because they'll probably have to um i do like the idea of like mahomes throwing to players and getting a chance to to me this might have honestly kind of felt like we saw the day before they worked out with quentin johnston maybe zay flowers was around and just wanted to do it i mean patrick mahomes is the michael jordan of the nfl right now and like zay flowers realistically probably was in high school when patrick mahomes was winning mvp this was probably like a holy crap, man, I'm in, I'm in the NFL moment for Zay Flowers. So he just, you know, hey, Chiefs, I want to throw it to him. Well, we got to make it a top 30 visit if you're going to do that or whatever. So it may have literally just been a formality and, you know, uh, make a wish opportunity for Zay Flowers. But who knows? I, I, I would love it. That's a, that's a big, like, seal of approval for me at pick 31 or wherever they end up getting him. Oh, I, I'm totally with you, Price, too. I, I think Zay Flowers is is the absolute perfect receiver um, for – what the Chiefs want from like a primary guy, you know, and and I think there's there's a lot of similarities to Kadarius Tony, but I think Zay Flowers has that just that route running ability. I think down the field that I don't think Tony has is like, and and that's why you don't see Tony maybe, uh, you know, I, you know, being a legitimate number one receiver. I think Tony can make plays down the field in terms of catching, like you mentioned, contested catch. We've seen him do that. But is he truly breaking guys off on on corner posts and like creating separation himself on these long vertical downfield passes? Zay Flowers does that. And and that's what I really like about him is I feel like he does win at every level of the field. It's why the comp that I that I hesitate to throw out, but like it does he it screams at me when I watch him. It's it's Antonio Brown. I really do feel like he plays like him after the catch, before the catch. I'm I'm a big Zay Flowers guy, but it does feel like he's gonna go pretty early at this point. So I think I think he I think he does probably go too early for what the Chiefs are going to want to give up. Um, one thing that there's been a lot of smoke around that the San Diego Chargers are, are really interested in Zay Flowers, and maybe that that might be a possible <sighs> donation destination for him. And so, put your Galaxy Brain tinfoil hat on for a moment. Do the Chiefs just bring him into Texas so that? Mahomes can get eyes on him and then report back to Spags and be like, okay, this is his weak spot. This is what he does. These are his tendencies. He can't catch the ball here. Don't worry about covering him over the middle because he's got alligator arms. Blah, 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 blah. Is, is that a possibility at all? Or am I just, is this just Rocky once again going down on a completely insane ta- tangent? I mean, I, I don't know because as soon as you said, you know, the Chargers have an interest, it just made me very sad because I, I, 
it would make it would it would suck to have to root against Zay Flowers. He is his character, his off, you know, kind of his background. Uh, you know, any anyone who follows the draft, I feel like, I mean, he, you know, you, you know, his loyalty kind of, you know, to you know, uh, you know, the senior or not the senior bowl, the East West Shrine Bowl. You know, staying in school to keep, you know, to uh, finish his degree. It was the whole reason he didn't come out last year. Uh, yeah, I I want to root for Zay Flowers. So go to the NFC or something, man. That's that's not go to the Chargers. Zay Flowers, you have it here. He is a on field comp for Antonio Brown, but not an off field comp <laughs> for Antonio Brown by any means. Um, moving forward, uh, <laughs> Price. So the Chiefs had a pair of edge rushers in this week. Um, they had Will McDonald, the fourth, who a lot of people, a lot of a lot of uh, you know draft Knicks have mocked to the Chiefs. It seems like every other mock draft has the Chiefs taking Will McDonald, the fourth at pick 31. And they also had local Kansas City boy, uh, Akina Enekhukwu. Bless you. Bless you. (laughs) Um, Akina, I am not trying to butcher your name by any means, and so I'll do respect if I totally mess that up. I apologize. But, uh, yeah, Chiefs had a pair of of, uh, pass rushers in. Um, Icky... Icky came in, and so did Will McDonald. Um, what you like these guys? I mean, they're obviously both mocked at at vast different spectrums, you know, in the pre draft process. Uh, what's what's your thoughts on them? Well, McDonald's interesting, right? We've talked a little bit. We've already had this discussion about tweeners and how the Chiefs line seems to rely on them quite a bit. Will McDonald's a little bit different, uh, but it would be nice to have someone to put out there on the outside that you feel like can win with raw speed. Uh, you know, as it's been noted, Will McDonald like weighs like one pound more than Nick Bolton does. Um, he's certainly not going to be playing off ball linebacker for the Chiefs, but he's a highly productive college player and um you feel like you might be able to get more out of him with the system that the Chiefs have rather than what he was running at Iowa State. Uh, to me, he feels like a player that him and FAU both kind of feel like players who might comfortably be there at pick 31. So I like the move and I like the investment because they feel both like pretty high floor players. And I really think like, you know, we want to believe that the Chris Jones extension is coming along, but the Chiefs have to start preparing for reality where Chris Jones might not be here in 2024. And George Karloftis and Will McDonald is the start of a, you know, a pass rush. It's definitely the start, not the finished product, but you, you know, for this year, Will McDonald, Chris Jones, George Karloftis, you bring in Frank Clark again, that that's in Charles and that that's pretty tasty. I, I like the way that sounds a lot. And then for the kid for Ruskin, uh, from Ruskin, um, again, not trying to uh, make myself look dumb with the name. Uh, he, you know, he's probably like a seventh rounder or priority free agent. That's what Brugler has him as um, just, you know, typically with these players, once they get in that range, they start becoming one dimensional. They're either a player who's got the right frame and can't play the run, you know, pass rush only, or they're undersized and going to be, you know, pass rush only, or maybe they're big and long and play the run. His size kind of screams a little bit of Spagnuolo's profile. um, But he's a player that would definitely like probably not be a three full down player kind of, reminiscent of like a Malik Herring type of move. Uh, obviously Herring played at a much bigger school, but uh, I, I could see it. And again, these are, you know, Brett Beach has had a lot of success in the later rounds. So these are the type of players you, you find 20s on the, on the ground and pick them up. So there's a lot of value here. So both make a lot of sense. Yeah. That's, that's a, the player profile or the kind of the, the stylistic, um, you know, who, who Icky is, I would say, honestly, Millie Karen makes sense to kind of just compare him to a, a chief on the roster because he did have uh, quite a bit of career snaps in the B gap, according to PFF. Uh, that was one thing I noticed. Um, he was, he was, he was playing interior quite a bit. 
um, for Rice. And so that, that tells you that he's someone that can play a little bit of both. Um, so definitely someone that's kind of intriguing, kind of a Spags fit later. But now the, the thing with Will McDonald that's intriguing is he does have the arm length that fits. Um, he's just so skinny around the waist, man. He is, he's a very skinny dude. Um, but I, he has the pass rush plan. He has the moves. He, he does know how to get after the quarterback. Again, you mentioned it probably was misutilized a lot of the times by alignment at Iowa State. I mean, I he is intriguing, but it, it's just hard for me to see the Chiefs uh, take that guy too early. But if he's someone that's there, you know, in the second round, uh, it makes more sense. I just don't think he's going to be right. I think we all kind of feel like he's going to be a guy, you know, 31 or in the late in the 30s, I guess. Right. What do you think, Rocky? Yeah, I think he's probably he's going to be there at 31, late in the 30s, but I don't think he's going to get there to the end of the 40s. Um, he's just got too much pass rush juice, and I think right. he has too well developed of a plan, and I think that there's too much respect for him uh, around the league as a pass rusher for him to slide too far in round in the second round. Um, you know, like pretty much like you said with Icky, uh, like like the like the profile, like that he is. He grew up a Kansas City Chiefs fan, so he wants to be in Kansas City. Um, and so, you know, that would be awesome. I, I'm always a fan of bringing, bringing hometown boys, you know, into the fold and letting them – because they're just going to care more. They're going to they're gonna want – you know, I talked about Hungry Dogs on your podcast, Ron. Uh, I also like hometown boys just because I feel like they fight harder oh, yeah. for the team and they fight harder for – they believe they believe in, in, in what the logo means. Um and so last last top three visit, we'll just touch on briefly. Um, the Chiefs brought in cornerback from USC, Mikai Gardner. Um, have you watched him at all, Ron? Um, any any what do you think about him? LSU, cornerback from LSU, uh uh Mikai Gardner. Or is it because there's a Mikai Garner from LSU cornerback. Is there another yeah, Mackay? It's, it's, yeah, it's it's LSU. You're thinking of Mikai Blackman from USC. Okay, well, yeah, I was gonna say as soon as I started it, talking about it, I was LSU, like, there is yeah. another Mackay cornerback. Okay, okay. I was like, wait, right, I, I take I'll take the L on that one, everybody. Sorry. I, yeah, it, I, it's 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 Mikai Garner from LSU, not Mikai Blackman from USC. <laughs> no, but what I will say is is I have just you know gotten a look at him just because I've I've watched other guys on the LSU defense. Um I haven't necessarily looked at him specifically, but he is a bigger cornerback, right? And 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 that's something you like to see um with, with the Chiefs specifically. If they're gonna be taking a later guy, you saw Jalen Watson, Josh Williams last year both kind of have that bigger frame. That's just it's, it's just kind of what they they go for if they're if they're kind of you know investing in a cornerback without necessarily that that you know blue chip uh, potential like a Trent McGuffey, right? The, he, he doesn't fit that profile, but it's because he's this great, you know, m- maybe a top-tier cornerback in the league at some point. So um, it, it, he, Garner fits. He's definitely that big guy, kind of physical. Um, and, and with that become, you know, you're not as fluid, not as, not as kind of maybe, you know, uh, uh, sticky, I guess, you know, in man-to-man. But uh, the Chiefs like those guys, as long as you can kind of bring it as a tackler. And I think this, this guy has the size to at least to do that. Yeah, just just scream Spags corner to me. The length, the physicality they plays the game. Uh, you know, struggles with long speed cover. Uh, you know, yeah. like zone scheme. This guy just feels a lot like a Spags guy. I, I like it a lot, honestly. Uh, I was reading him, reading up on him, and I'm like, oh, this this just sounds just like someone they would love to take. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, if he's gonna go, you know, again, Jalen Watson, seventh round pick, I think, right in that kind of range, makes a lot of sense to kind of replenish the cornerback group if you like a guy. Listen, you can't teach length, and that's that's the one thing, you know, whenever you're looking at a lot of these cornerbacks or even just football players in general, you know, that's what they say about, you know, about, about in basketball, they say you can't teach seven feet tall, 
right? These guys aren't seven feet tall, but you can't teach length. It's just, there's, it gives you a physical advantage that, that other guys just don't have. And I think we saw that with Joshua Williams last year, like that, the length really showed up at some key moments um, down the stretch. Uh, but so moving on from top 30 visits, we're moving on to our next point of the sh- part, part of the show. Um, this is where we're going to have some fun. We're going to, we're going to do some mock prop bets on the upcoming draft. We're all, you know, kind of gambling degenerates from time to time. Um, oh, yeah. Some, some of us more than others. Ron is, is borderline Michael Jordan playing quarters with the security <laughs> guard before every single game, trying to take the poor guy's paycheck. You know, he'll bet on anything in the world, you know, what the Happy Meal toy is going to be and his uh, nieces or nephews. Uh, Pretty you know, much. <laughs> you know, happy meal. And so he'll, uh, he'll, 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 he'll just sit there on the spot, and just make up a prop pet and then, and then force you to take it. So, uh, so, and then, but price, you know, price is a, is a good, humble family man. And he'll, uh, a Missouri, a Missourian is what you mean. Someone yeah. who, Missouri. <laughs> who has an eight, who has an eight one six area code. Yeah. That's what I meant. Price, price doesn't have the, uh, the opportunity to, to, you know, lose his house on on a sure thing like uh some of us you know do um but anyway so we're gonna make some prop bets on these uh on the on the upcoming draft and what we're gonna do is each one of us is gonna get fifteen hundred dollars of monopoly money or mock money as we're gonna call it and we're gonna go through all 10 of the chiefs picks and you can divide up that fifteen hundred bucks amongst all your picks however you want and we're gonna try to predict and bet who the Chiefs are going to take in each pick of the draft. And then we're going to go through after the draft and see who won or lost the most amount of money. Now, obviously, as you go up, go further down the draft, it's harder to predict a round seven draft pick than it is a round one draft pick. So, so for the round one, we're gonna we're gonna say that round one is even money. And then round two is gonna be plus 120. So if you bet a hundred bucks and you win, then you get 120 back for everybody out there who doesn't understand uh, kind of how betting lines work. Round three is going to be plus 150. Round four, plus 200. Round five, plus 250. Round six, plus 300. And round seven is plus 350. So, you know, obviously, if you bet, if you bet 50 bucks in round seven and hit, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to net you more money than if you bet 100 bucks in round one. Right. But, Maybe you want to bet three hundred bucks in round seven. If you're if you're sold on the on who the Chiefs are going to take in round seven, you might have a cash cow here, boys. And so then after that, we're going to go through. And we're also going to mock the enemy for a chance of some bonus money. And each one of these are just flat hundred buck bets. And we're going to try to predict who all of our AFC West rivals, so the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Chargers are going to take with their first picks in the draft, not their first round draft picks, their first picks because the the Broncos wasted all of their picks on a four foot tall Russell Wilson, who's 76 years old and, and trying to, and trying to ride, you know, into the sunset instead of, instead of winning a football game, but the guy who can't line up under center and has to do all of his offensive plays from shotgun. Uh, just, sorry. I just, just suck it, <laughs> suck it, suck it. Broncos. You, you guys are sunk for the, hey, for the, show, for the first some respect. Future. They also traded a first round pick for a quarter for a, uh, a head coach who's only won one Super Bowl with one of the greatest quarterbacks ever played the game. Okay. Well, he's Show also four feet tall. He's also okay, four okay. feet tall yeah, as yeah, well. Sure. But he had Kevin James play him in a Netflix film. <laughs> yeah. T- t- take Drew Brees off the field to have uh, someone else throw the ball. Noted yeah. genius. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. A horrible, horrible, horrible. <laughs> 
team, horrible fr- franchise, and I have no respect for them whatsoever. But we're also going to also try to predict what the Bills are going to do and then what the Cincinnati Jabronis are going to do in the first round as well. Um, so we'll get this underway. Without further ado, we'll let our, our, our preeminent Chiefs, you know, film analyst and guest, Ron, Ron Cobb Jr., have the first selection it, with pick 31 or if they trade up. You know, we don't know. Who are the Chiefs? Who do you think the Chiefs are going to end up with at round one? And how much are you betting, Ron? Yeah. So, I mean, you don't get very good odds here, right? And so, you, you know, it's you don't want to put a lot of money on it um, because it's just like, it's kind of boring. You know, I, I'm a guy that likes to go with the, the, the odds, right? I'm, I'm trying to go big or go home. Um, if, if I'm going with a safe option at first, man, I guess. I think Felix Enrique Ozama is the guy I want to go with. So I'll, I'll put I'll put I'll put two hundred on Felix Enrique Ozama. Not too much. Um, just wanna just wanna put a little money on him because I do think he fits the profile. He's a young player. We know that the Beach likes to draft young guys early, and uh, he's a guy that realistically feels like he's going to be at thirty-one. Other guys I want to consider may not be there, so I'm not going to bet him. All right, moving on. Price, who do you got at, at round one, and how much are you betting? Yeah, I feel like. Round one might be the most unpredictable round to try to guess what players they're going to get because it's kind of like, uh, you know, like there's a mad dash at the Black Friday sale or whatever. Everyone's kind of going through the bin. Everything's been sorted over real clear in that first round. Um, So I I feel less great about who's going to go at 31. I'm going to put 100 bucks on Anton Harrison. I think like he does the things that they like the most. I feel like he's the player that's most likely to be there um, on mock draftable. He's the consensus pick for the chiefs at pick 31. So Anton Harrison left tackle from Oklahoma for a hundred bucks. Well, you just took my pick price. So well, uh, hey, but to... that's the, that's the thing, right? There's no, there's no harm. Like I'm actually, I've got a strategy yeah. here, so uh, there's no harm in taking the same player. Yeah, Price is going to try to do the uh, Price is Right $1 thing. He's going to try to follow all of us and then just like slightly try to end up $1 over us by the end. Um, all right, so with pick 31, couldn't make it in. I could I could just go with my heart and say I think who I think it's going to be, which is Anton Harrison, or I could try to make it interesting and go off the wall with like a Dalton Kincaid or something like that. Um but, you know, for the sake of wanting to win in competitive nature, I think it's going to be Anton Harrison as well. I think the Chiefs are going to end up with Anton Harrison. And I'm going to put 200 on it. I'm going to say $200 okay. on Anton Harrison in round one for the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, so, Ron, you got 1300 bucks left. Moving on to pick 63 in the second round. Who do you think the Chiefs are going to take? Yeah, so, you know, I I almost am tempted to go with another edge rusher, even though I picked one for the first one. Not because I think they're going to double up, but because I think I have another guy that I feel like is good value and fits really what the Chiefs want. And if he's there in the second round, if they went with another position first, I do feel like he makes a lot of sense for them. He's, he's a guy I'm very high on. I'm just going to go for it and put a little more money on it this time. Well, no, I'll probably keep it at 200. Uh, Derek Hall, the Auburn edge rusher. I feel like in the second round, he makes a ton of sense. I've comped him to Frank Clark because he plays so much like him, and I think I think the Chiefs could see that too and say, you know, hey, this is a guy that uh, you know again fits the size profile to an extent, has the arm length. Um, not, maybe not the heaviest guy, but if you're looking for a speed rusher, a guy that kind of plays that Frank Clark role, you know, that's he wasn't the heaviest guy either. So 
Uh, I, I do think he would make some sense maybe in the second round. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and do it, uh, Derek Hall. Uh, Derek Hall for 200 to run. Okay, Price, round two, pick 63. The Kansas City Chiefs select who? So here's my strategy on this. If you ever are taking a test and you're just clueless, right, the best thing to do is just go like C, 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 C. Just keep guessing the same thing over and over again instead of zigzagging and making a shape because the randomness, you like, you, there's a chance you could miss out on the randomness, right? The Chiefs, I feel like they have said all offseason, we want to find long-term answers at tackle positions. They are tired of having to address and address and address tackle. So my strategy here, I think that they are a lock to take a tackle in one of the first three picks. So I'm going to go tackle again. I'm going to put $200 on Nick Saldaveri. Uh, I think he's a little shorter armed than they like, but they love, they'll love his interior flexibility. Um, like being able to kick inside. I think he does a lot of things that they like. Um, Nick Saldaveri for $200 at pick 63. Wow. Going back to back tackles. Hey, you can't be wrong every time. Yeah. You know what? 50% of the time it works every time, baby. So uh, I, I like it. Uh, so uh, all right. So you got so that's three hundred total for you. So you're sitting at twelve hundred bucks to, to bet with for the rest of the the draft. And just to recap, you have eleven hundred for the rest of the draft, uh, Ron. And so with me, we pick sixty three to the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that I'm torn here. I kind of want to go Tuli Tua Pelotu. You know, I love the man. I you know I think he's awesome, but I'm also afraid he might not be there. At pick 63, he might get taken just because he has enough size. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that B.J. Ojolari slides to 63, or the Chiefs move up and take him in the second round, one way or the other. But in the second round, the Chiefs are going to take B.J. Ojolari, and I'm going to put – you know what? I'm going to put 200 bucks on it as well. So there we go. With pick 63, Kansas City Chiefs take B.J. Ojolari. Moving forward to the third round. Pick 95 in the 20, 2023 NFL draft. Who are the Kansas City Chiefs taking, Ron? What are you betting? It? Well, it's funny because Price just took my third round guy because I was going to say Nick Saldaveri for the third round. Um, and, and I'll just put 100 on it here. Um, so I'm down to 1,000. But no, I, 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 I really like Nick Saldaveri. I think he makes a lot of sense to just to grab as an option for right tackle um, to play right away um, and compete for the right tackle spot at least right away. Um, and at least, hey, if he doesn't work out a right tackle, you have really, really good depth at guard and maybe someone that can step into the left guard position if Joe Tooney does move on um, in a year. So I really like the pick price. So I'm going to steal it from him for the third round because I do think he, he, you know, him not having the 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 competition, uh, maybe, uh, you know, tape against, you know, higher competition um, at, at tackle. You know, he does kind of he's on that tweener between the arm length kind of thing for tackle. I do think that could push him down and make him a third round pick. Um, and that would be great value. I mean, I'd, I'd love him as a second round pick. So there you go. Yeah, the hype, the hype just right. seems to grow and grow around him. That's true. And I and I feel like worst case scenario, you have a swing tackle or a you know a kind mm. of can plug and play almost anywhere besides center. Worst case scenario, he's your starting left guard next year. So I, I like that a lot. Uh, for my pick at pick ninety five, I am going to take. Um, so I'm sticking with my strategy here. I feel like they're going to take a tackle. I feel like they'd really like this guy. He has unteachable length, a physical specimen, very, very raw as far as a prospect. Banking on the Andy Reid connection, ninety-five Blake Freeland, offensive tackle, BYU. I'm putting two hundred bucks on it. 
Wow, like Blake Freeland, BYU tackle, go for I, it! I, I like you know he he just has like unteachable length, BYU connection there. I feel like the Chiefs say, hey, we feel like if if he's just absolutely awful, we can roll with Niang or Prince for this season and like kind of I know he's a much different prospect but like the Jordan Maitalata thing you know like maybe that's kind of their developmental tackle and they think they could hit with with the skills that he has that are unteachable all right you said you're betting 100 bucks on it you said 200 I think 200 200, 200? yep all right 200 bucks I'm also on sticking it. more here in these mid rounds all right there you go man all right so Pick 95 for me, I think round three. I'm going to go wide receiver because I think that the Chiefs still need to go a guy. I don't think that any of the guys that I'd want, and Jonathan Minga, Rashi Rice, Cedric Tillman, or um, or A.T. Perry will still be on the board. So I got to start looking at this next, the next tier of guys. And you know what? You sold me on him, Ron. I'm going to go with your guy, Parker Washington, round three Ooh, to the it. Kansas City Chiefs. Wide Plays receiver, bigger Penn than he State. is, man. I'm going to put $300 on it. He's Golden Tate type, man. He, that's what Brugler comped him to. Um, so I'm not, I, I didn't, I was not original with that at all, but I love that comp for him. The only thing is, I really do think he's one of those guys that lucked out with not testing because I do think he could have been a pretty bad tester because he is not very, uh, for his size at least, right? He's not very fast. Um, he's not very but, fast. But hey, man, he, he makes contested catches, which somehow makes me excited because he's a short dude. Um, yeah, I'm probably should have gone with Tyler him. Scott, but you know, I, I'm, I'm going to back my guy. No, you're 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 backing me. It's okay. It's okay. Well, all right. I, I'm feeling good about this one. Um, I think round four is going to be the spot you may see the Chiefs address that a gap, that defensive tackle that that they really need to um, get a guy inside to maybe maybe be an upgrade over Derek Naughty. I'm sure hoping so at least. And the guy I'm going to go with is from LSU, Jack, Jacqueline Roy, Jaqueline Roy. I don't know exactly how to say it, um, but. I do think his his size, uh, his his length, um, his his hand strength is kind of his big paws um, fit what the Chiefs kind of want. You know, guys that can just control blocks and 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 do a little bit penetrating too. Now he's not the most stout guy, which is is you know the thing where he is a younger player and and it may be a year till he's really a, a, a you know a solid solid starter. But I do think he can come in right away, give you better snaps than maybe what you were getting from from guys like Naughty or. or the other guys on the chart, Byron Cowart or whatnot. So I think Jaquan Roy at this point is a good bet. So I'm putting, I'm going to go ahead and put 200 on him in the fourth round. So that's plus 200. 200 bones on Jacqueline Roy from LSU for uh, Ron brings you down to 800 bucks left to spend in the draft. My man. All right, price. What do you got, bro? Um, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to take uh, 10 tackles, believe it or not. Uh, this guy meets all of Spag's length thresholds. I think this is, you know, maybe the floor. If for some reason they ignore edge until now in the draft. And I also think if they've taken an edge early, they might consider taking this guy as well. I'm going to take, Zach Harrison off uh hmm. defensive edge from BYU and I'm take him for two hundred dollars. All right, Zach Harrison for two hundred dollars. He's a big boy, he fits he does fit all the measurables that uh that Spags likes. I, I myself like Ron think that the Chiefs are going to address defensive tackle in round four. Um, but instead of going Jacqueline Roy, I'm gonna go ahead, I'm gonna say the Chiefs are gonna go. So I want to go with my boy Kobe Turner. Uh, no, I'm going to go. I think the Chiefs are going to go Zach Pickens. I'm going to say Zach Pickens in the fourth round to the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's just because maybe I think that Kobe Turner's gotten enough, enough buzz in this draft cycle mm-hmm. that maybe he goes earlier 
in the fourth round and the Chiefs kind of just miss out on him. They, they just miss out maybe on Moro Jomo. So they're going to end up end, end up going with Zach Pickens. And I'm going to do Zach Pickens. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Zach Pickens for 250. Okay. So here in the fourth round. I'm a big Pickens guy, so I, I have I have him ranked higher than than Jacqueline Roy. I I fourth round probably is probably is a good spot for him. I could see him being a third round pick too, but um, you know, he is a pretty good he's a pretty uh you know, an A gap player that could be more of a fourth round guy. Um well do we we have two fourth round picks we're working with, right? So I have another yeah. fourth round pick um to work with here. So that's the thing is I like kind of where we're at at the defensive line position um, in this kind of spot here. I think this might be a good place for Yaya Diaby, the Louisville edge rusher. Um, I think he is another fit for Spags. He's a pretty big dude. Um, has doesn't have you know the greatest juice, and it's why he's probably going to be a fourth, you know, early day three kind of pick. Um, but I do think you know he played in a system that kind of allowed him you know to to, to play some different things and, and do some different things and. And I, again, I just think he has a good size and, and can get off the ball and, and, and can molt, you know, kind of eat snaps, you know, in the, in the Isaiah Maguire mold. I think Isaiah Maguire maybe goes a little earlier than this. So that's why I'm going to go with Yaya Diaby. Oh, for, um, I'll just go 100 on this. All right, $100. Yaya Diaby, round four, leaves you with 700 bones. All right, Price, you're on the clock. Uh, this one is going to be a shout out to AP alumni Craig Stout for his work that he does with the CBAT testing. Um, I'm going to go with Jacorian Bennett. Mary, uh, he's a Maryland corner. Uh, he meets all the thresholds of Spags. Um, I feel like he is a guy that his flexibility where he could play inside and outside is something that they're going to like. I think that they are going to quietly take corner higher than we think because I think they're probably given kind of the physical nature that Legarius Sneed plays with. He's already starting to got get injured a little bit. I'm not necessarily sure they're going to be in the business of extending him given how good they are at finding value at the corner position. So Jacorian Bennett, I'm going to put $200 on him as the second fourth round pick. All right. Jacorian Bennett, second fourth round pick. You heard it here for me for my second fourth round pick. I'm, I think the chiefs are going to turn to another pass catcher, but not at wide receiver. I think the chiefs are going to add, Another tight end. It's a tight end deep draft. And the guy I'm going to go with is the guy who's kind of risen in a lot of people's minds recently after kind of showing out in the pre-draft process. I'm going to go with with Old Dominion tight end Zach Kuntz. Um, I think he kind of has the size and length. You're never going to replace um, Travis Kelsey, but I think you get Zach Kuntz working with Travis Kelsey for a couple of years, and I think you're going to have a really good um, pass-catching tight end who can who's, who, who plays a lot like a big slot Right, like that big slot tight end that, mm-hmm. that 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 seems so prevalent in the in the NFL today. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Zach Kuntz for 150. So back to back Zach's in the fourth round for Rocky. Well, I'm gonna uh, kind of do a pass catcher too, but not tight end or receiver. Um, because I do think this guy is one of the best, you know, kind of the guys that you can uh plug in on pass downs right away in the NFL and you're not gonna feel terrible about it. You may not miss Jerick McKinnon too much. If you do draft this guy in the fifth round, that's why I'm going to put a good amount of money on him to go there. That's Kenny McIntosh, a Georgia running back um, in the fifth round. And he could go later, honestly, because of his testing. Wasn't the greatest tester. But I, I really think this is a good spot for him. Give me uh, – I got $700 left. I, I feel good about this. I want to make some money uh, for plus 250 Give me $200 uh, on Kenny. All right, $200 on Kenny McIntosh. And I tell you what – 
I was just thinking possibly Kenny McIntosh in round five for myself. So I am 100% on board with you. I think that you could honestly line him up at slot receiver tomorrow and he would be able to be serviceable. I think that he's probably the best pass catching running back we've seen in quite a while. Um, and so I'm a big Kenny McIntosh fan. Uh, all right, Price, what do you got for round five? Round five, I'm going to take Princeton wide receiver Andre Yosevis. Uh, he has the key trait of speed and length at the wide receiver position. Quite frankly, I think his like upside is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And you might say, well, Price, they already have Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Why would they draft Marquez Valdez-Scantling? The answer is because they can pay him pennies on the dollar instead of $10 million, $10 million which is what they are paying Marquez Valdez-Scantling this season or around that price. Uh, he has an out on his contract this coming year. I feel like if they can tell him to go touch the goalpost every other uh, passing snap, uh, he has a little returnability as well. He makes a lot of sense, and Chiefs covet that speed. All right. How much are you betting on him? Oh, uh, $100. $100. That means price of $500 left for the many picks in this draft. And then, man, in round five, I think that I'm not going to quite go Kenny McIntosh yet. I think I'm going to go with another edge rusher for the Kansas city chiefs. And that edge rusher is going to be, um, you know, a guy that we've spoken about quite a bit. That's, that's really got a kind of a special place in my heart, you know, moving forward. And that's going to be Jose Ramirez edge rusher, Eastern Michigan. Uh, I like, I think he's a hungry dog. I love his, I love his pass rush game. And so I think the chiefs are going to love him. I'm going to go Jose Ramirez in the fifth round, Eastern Michigan for the Kansas city chiefs. And I'm going to put, I'm going to put $200 on this one. I feel good about this. I feel good about him being a chief at the end of the day. Well, we're in the sixth round for me, and we got a couple six-round picks to work with. Um, I, I I think there are a couple, you know, there's – I think this is where running back, uh, you know, and maybe another, you know, a double-dip at receiver makes a lot of sense here. Um, but I have yet to really – well, I got solid of area, but I do think there's a chance – that the board doesn't fall right. They have to wait on offensive tackle and they, and they may have to pick one of these guys late that, that uh, projects maybe a little more instead of maybe uh, feeling more confident that they can compete. Um, but I'm going to go with a guy that uh, I may not get a chance to talk about again tonight. So I'm just going to go with it here and I'm going to say his name impressively here. Malai Sala Amuvai Laulu uh, from Oregon. He's the right tackle. Um, he's a guy that I kind of found late in the process, but I am a fan of, um, started you know at right tackle for them for a couple two or three seasons, um, and has some right guard experience as well. But uh, he's supposed to be a pretty late pick, uh, sixth seventh round sense, makes sense. But he's got the length, again starting experience on that right side, and I, I do think he has some uh, some some ability that I think is kind of underrated uh, amongst this class. So I, I like them compared to some other guys. All right, how much you betting on him? Uh, just a hundred. Let's just go a hundred. Let's go $100 on him. All right, that leaves you with $400 for the, remain, for the remainder of this draft, my man. All right, Price, coming in, starting with our first of two round six picks. What do you this got? Is one I, this is one I really like. Uh, one of the first moves Andy Reid made when he came to Kansas City was trading for Anthony Sherman. The Chiefs have always had a fullback on the roster. Despite how many articles I write, is this the year the Chiefs stopped carrying a fullback? I think they might go even earlier than the sixth round. Hunter Lupke. South Dakota, uh, North Dakota State. This guy like was the MVP of the national championship game for them. He is like he can catch the ball, he can block, he can run. Um, this like I really think that teams are going to be surprised at how early he goes because I think a lot of teams look at him and think Kyle Usechek, and I think the Chiefs absolutely will 
uh, be happy to have a weapon like this and see him as kind of like a blocking tool. Um, so, and they haven't made a move at fullback yet. So I'm going to put a hundred dollars on Hunter Lupke. All right. Leaves you with 400 for the remainder of the draft coming into round to round six. I think this is when the chiefs are going to, are going to address running back um, in my opinion. And I'm going to, I'm going to steal your pick run. I'm going to say it just in round six though. I think the chiefs are going Kenny McIntosh in round six. And I'm going to yeah. put a hundred dollars on it. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And I might honestly stay on running back um, again and, and, and do another one here a little later. And, and he, he may be more of a seventh round pick, but I'm going to go ahead and grab him here. Uh, Kendra Miller, the TCU running back. I do think he kind of makes sense as a compliment to Pacheco um, and, and can do some of the pass down work. And he's a, he's a late round guy. So I'm going to go with him here. All um, right. So you got, Going with uh, TCU running back Kendra Miller for a hundred dollars here, and to close out the sixth round for Ron. Uh, all right, Bryce, who, where are you going, man? Uh, for a hundred dollars, I'm going to take Anthony Bradford. He's a guard who played a little yeah. bit of tackle early, um, and has pretty much played guard exclusively. SEC experience, got um, pretty good length. Uh, has can play left or right guard. Chiefs brought him in for a top thirty visit. I like him. Uh, I could see the Chiefs liking him as well. All right, for a hundred dollars, leaving you with three hundred for the rest of the draft. I think for my second pick uh, in the sixth round, I'm going to go back to wide receiver, and I'm going to say the Chiefs are going to take Matt Landers, uh, you know, wide receiver out of Arkansas. I just think size, length, speed, everything that he's got. I think the Chiefs are going to covet, and they they want a guy who can stretch the field. You talked about Andre Iso. This I think Matt Landers is kind of in the same mold, and I'm going to go Matt Landers in the sixth round. All right, seventh round, right? Do we have we only have two picks in the seventh round, or am I only have three? two picks in the second round? Seventh round, yeah, yeah, okay. Seventh round, we have two back to back to 249 and 250, baby. All right, well, I'm gonna uh do one of them and I'm gonna I'm gonna go two hundred dollars here because it was a guy they brought in um on a visit that I actually did like what I saw when I, I looked at his tape. It's the Western Kentucky cornerback, Khalif Halasi. Uh, he's a former Oregon commit, uh, played there for a season, went to Independence Community College for a couple of years, and then ended up at Western Kentucky. Um, physical, bigger kind of player, um, but kind of has a little more than just kind of that. He can he can stick with the end coverage, make some plays on the ball. So I, I, I think he's a pretty intriguing player for a PFA, according to Brugler. So I'm going to go ahead and take him in the seventh. So I think great guy to take a flyer on. I think definitely, like you said, a lot of upside with him. Um, Price, where are you going with seventh round, man? I think he might go earlier than this, but I'm going to put $50 on Daniel Scott. He's a safety from California. Um, Chiefs brought him in for a top 30 visit early. He's played a little, spe- he's been a special teams guy, um, kind of a true free safety rather than an in the box kind of hybrid safety. That's more common now, but he's a special teams guy. He's, he's been a returner, a high football character type of guy. Um, you know, I, he's a guy that I think Spags would like to play with. I like Daniel Scott a lot. I, I did the write-up on him. He's a guy that um, his, his only real knock is maybe a injuries. little bit of athleticism, injuries, yeah. and then he has some missed tackles yeah. in his history. Uh, but, you know, that's some stuff you can shore up. If, if Chris Jones has taught us anything, you can fix missed tackles. Um, my, my, my round seven pick, I'm going to go with a, another safety, but a different one. I'm going to go with the third safety out of Alabama. I'm going with DeMarco Hellams. Um 
he's he's not as good as uh obviously as branch or battle but he's great in the run game he's a guy who can step up in the box and as a plus run defender i watched him on tape and i i didn't see a lot of drop off between him and battle so i think in the seventh round demarco helens is a good pick yeah the alabama safeties are the only safeties to really get excited about in this class well christopher smith i'm a, I'm a christopher smith guy um Seventh round, I'm 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 having a tough time here, but I do think in the seventh round, if if they do need a second kind of maybe a double dip on the defensive line, um, there are some guys that could maybe come in, maybe eat some snaps that may not be exciting names to hear, um, but again, I think they could fit. Um, I'm looking at a couple guys. I'm gonna go with Ollie Gay, the LSU defensive end, um, someone that. You know, not a lot to to like about on film in terms of, you know, being explosive, um, kind of playing smoothly. He's a, he's a very clunky player, but he's big uh, length can can definitely, you know, take on a block and eat up space uh, on the edge as kind of that that traditional four three defensive end. And I think in the seventh round, if they just need a, if they feel like they just need a body to compete with the guys on the roster, I feel like he kind of makes sense for them. I like him a lot. I think that, like you said, he's, he's kind of a body. He can compete, and he has he has good size to him. Uh, for a seventh-round pick, there's not a lot more you're going to get out of it. Um, all right, Price, what do you got for your seventh-round pick, man? I am going to take a player that his father played for the Chiefs, I believe. I'm going to take Dante Stills, a defensive yes. interior player from West Virginia. Uh, I think he'll probably go a little bit earlier than this. Uh, he's a little bit undersized, but as an attacking gap shooter, uh, kind of honestly might not quite as big physically, but kind of reminiscent of what some of the things that Colin Saunders did for the Chiefs. Um, he's a player that makes a lot of sense to the Chiefs, which I think I think we need to like maybe give like half money if like we get the player right, but not the right round. Because like right. you know, I want to collect my break my Blake Freeland receipts. So um, you know, if 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 they end up drafting him in the fourth, I would like some cred. It's a push. It's, it's a push. push. You don't you don't lose the money okay. if you get the player right, but you don't win anything. We'll say that. Okay, it's a push. Okay. It's a push if you get the guy right guy, wrong round. All right. For me, for my final pick, I'm gonna go back to offensive tackle. And there's just so many guys in this kind of offensive tackle late round class that are kind of interesting-ish type of guys to to to, to take. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a small town, a small school player, McClendon Curtis out of Chattanooga. Um, small school, interesting guy. Uh, not not obviously whenever you play in small school you know, draft a small school guy. There's always the question, how's it going to translate to, to the NFL, to, to the, the competition level, but he, he, listen, he gave up, he played left tackle last year, gave up no sacks. Um, he's got good size and length. I I'm, I'm going to be six, six, three, 24. I'm going to say, I'm going to say we're going to go with McClendon Curtis out of Chattanooga with my final pick in the draft. And I'm going to put a hundred dollars on it. Cause that's all I got left. And so to close out, the Chiefs side of this, we're all done. I'm now moving on to mocking the enemy, Ron. What stupid player are our enemies going to take in the first round? Uh, what should we start with? Because, uh, I mean, the Raiders have the highest pick, and I do have a, I, I do feel good about who theirs is going to be, so I'll, I'll go ahead and say theirs. Uh, Devon Let's start with the Raiders. Let's start with the yeah. Raiders then. All right. Devon Witherspoon, Illinois corner. I just feel like he he fits the Raider mentality kind of right. Um, but they could really use uh, cornerback uh, help. Uh, he definitely is an all around corner. Um, he's not a, you know he's not finesse at all. He's he, he can play you know uh, be a run supporter obviously, but also you know cover very well. 
Um, they just need players in that secondary, so I think he makes sense for them. All right, I like that. Devon Witherspoon to the Raiders. What about you, Price? I think uh, the quarterback that makes the most sense for the Raiders is C.J. Stroud, given on like his play style. I think he's kind of falling right now. Uh, not necessarily sure why. I think that that gives uh, you know the coach who's already in a little bit of hot water after the first season, gives him a nice little two- or three-year window, um, set him behind Jimmy G. So I'm going to take C.J. Stroud at pick seven, or maybe they move up for him. All right, C.J. Stroud at pick seven. Um I'm going to say that, that with with play, we're talking about players, you know, sliding. I'm going to say that the Raiders end up taking Jalen Carter at number seven and that he slides Ooh. to seven. The Henry, and, the Henry Ruggs car crash connection. It's, it's, it's one to gamble on, but hey, there's Las Vegas. It's Las Vegas. They live to gamble, baby. And so I'm going to say it's going to be Jalen Carter to the, to the Las Vegas Raiders at number seven. They just, they, they can't, they can't help themselves. All right, let's Make move next. Let's, 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 the next one, let's go to go with the, the with the Chargers. Who do we think the Chargers are going to take? The Chargers almost feels this is this has become, and I know it's not as hyped anymore in the class. Um, so maybe this isn't a good pick for it. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway because I don't think we know what's going to happen in this class, and let's not act like we do. So Jalen Hyatt, the Tennessee receiver, makes a ton of sense to me um, for what they need um, in the receiving core. Um, they've tried to do it with Jalen Guyton, right? They've had they tried to have those kind of guys that just get vertical. And when you have Justin Herbert, I mean, those, you know, those guys can get 70 yards downfield and still, you know, be in, in radius for a catch. So Jalen Hyatt's the kind of guy that can take the top off the defense, fits really well what they want um, in, in a receiver right now. I, and I think that would be a horrible pick for them because I think that <laughs> Jalen Hyatt's good for about six games and then defenses take away fit, the one thing he can do. Well, and he's, you know, a little injury prone, so he'd fit right away, right? He fit, he fit them perfectly. That's the well, not injury thing. prone, just injury susceptible with his body type. But anyway, yeah, yes, yeah. That's that sounds like the kind of dumb thing that the Chargers are going to do. So I like it. All right, Price, what do you think? The, what dumb thing are the Chargers going to do, Price? Well, I thought about maybe Deontay Banks, but I think that they think that they want to believe that the signing from last year is going to work out still, even though it very clearly wasn't. Um, I'm going to go Michael Mayer. I know a lot of the trendy pick is Dalton Kincaid, but I think Michael Mayer is very similar to Hunter Henry and some of the things he used to do for them. And also you look at like uh, the offensive coordinator coming from the Cowboys, what they used to have with their tight end there. Michael Mayer just feels very similar to what that offense is and what they want to do. So I'm going to take Michael Mayer. It's funny you say that Don Kincaid is the trinity pick because that's exactly where I'm going with them. I mm -hmm. think that they want a pass catcher. And I think that even though mm -hmm. Zay Flowers has got all the smoke and all the buzz around him right now, I think that they go with the best pure pass catcher in the draft. And I think that's Dalton Kincaid. So I think they go with Dalton Kincaid uh, with their first pick. Um, all right, so moving to the second round because, like we said, the Denver Broncos are not intelligent, and so they don't have a first-round draft pick this year because they wasted them. And so, where where do you think the where do you think the donkeys are going to go with their first pick in the draft? There, Ron. I think when you're in this position like they are, I don't think you can get cute and like try to get a developmental guy or someone that uh, you know you already kind of know needs a little time. I think you need to get guys that you feel like can come in and play right away. Um, there's a couple guys I had in mind on the defensive line, and I hate to say this, but I'm going to give him one of my guys, uh, Keanu Benton, the Wisconsin defensive tackle. I think it's a sweet spot for him where they're picking. Um, he could go a little earlier, I, I do think. Um, I guess they are picking pretty you know, in that top of the third, but 
if he does slip there, it makes a lot of sense for them. Just a defensive lineman in general makes sense, but I'll go with Keanu Benton. I like it. I think that that I, th- I think that that may be a little a little late, but you know, let's see how it happens. Um. All right. So, uh, Price, where are you going? Broncos. I'm going, I'm going with the same line of thought that Ron did. I, I think that they, you know, they're going to double down on the defense. They don't have much on the interior. Uh, Draymond Jones left. They've just basically got like Purcell and a couple other def- interior defensive linemen. Uh, but I, I, I think Benton will be gone by then. I'm going to go with Tiaka Ika. Uh, just you know, kind of a true, just one gap. Uh, nose, line up straight on the ball, run stuffer. I think that that's kind of what that defense needs. I think we're all the same mindset as far as that they need help on the interior. And it feels their safe. Defensive line. Right, yeah. it feels safe right. for their draft. Yeah. And so, but I think they're going to be a little more daring and try to swing for the fences a little bit with the new ownership and, and the new coaching staff. And I think that uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Mozzie Smith. I think they're going to go Mozzie Smith with their first pick and, 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 and try to, and try to, and try to, and, and Peyton's going to think that he can fix him and he's not going to be able to, and it's going to be awesome because Isaiah Pacheco is just going to run straight through him and it's going to be glorious. Okay. So moving on to our next enemy that's outside of the AFC West, we're going to go with, uh, with the Josh Allen, uh, you know, led Buffalo bills here. Who what do you think the bills are going to do? I almost, don't want to say this because I do think it's a really, really good pick for them. Um, but I do think if the Bills, uh, you know, set there and and they kind of like the depth of the class, I don't know how much draft capital they have, um, depending on what they got behind them for the second, third, fourth round, all that. But if they can fill some of their other needs with those picks, go ahead and take Jameer Gibbs uh, from Alabama because I do think uh, him and that offense, they've been kind of missing that that kind of that uh, playmaker, that big home run threat at the running back position to kind of help Josh Allen. Um, when stuff down the field isn't working, and I think he could be that guy for sure. So Jameer Gibbs. Sorry, sorry, James Cook, you didn't cut it last year, so they're they're upgrading you, baby. It's they have him, but man, Gibbs is a whole nother. I don't know. I, I think Gibbs is a whole nother level, man. Um, Cook can be a, still a nice little complimentary back. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. I think he has a whole other level. All right, Price, what do you got for the Bills? Um, I, I think, you know, I've brought this up several times. I think like the most under talked about thing for the Bills this offseason is that their defensive line sucked without Von Miller and they were putrid against the Bengals offensive backup offensive line that the Chiefs carved up like warm butter. So I'm going to say that they look to, you know, think one year ahead with uh, Ed Oliver probably heading out the door. They draft Brian Brzee. I think that that would be a player that make a lot of sense for yeah. him. Really add some beef for a part that they need. Um, I know that like some people want to put Nolan Smith there. That feels like too much of the same thing when Von Miller comes back. Brian Brzee. You know, I was thinking about Brian Brzee a little bit for them, um, and I I was I was on the edge of choosing Brian Brzee for them. But I'm actually going to go a little bit a little bit different, but still staying on the defensive interior. And I'm going to say that the Buffalo Bills, that because of this, his, his lack of size, that Kalijah Kansi slides a little bit. And I think the Bills are going to draft Kalijah Kansi in the first round. And I think he's going to be a really good football player for him. And it's not going to make me happy. I, I mean, honestly, Ed Oliver is probably one of the better like comps. And in, in, I mean, even it's not, it's still not a perfect comp. I think Kansi such a unique player. But I mean, Ed Oliver is a better comp uh, than Aaron Donald is. So I, hey, it makes sense. I mean, if, as, a, uh, as a predecessor. Yeah, I 100% agree. Okay, rounding out our uh, our enemies is the worst enemy of all, the the worst fan base of all. I'll, I'll I'll keep throwing I'll keep throwing fuel on this fire to the day I die because they started it, 
And so, uh, all right. Who do the jabronis take in the first round? <laughs> the jabronis. I, I think Darnell Washington uh, is, is, is a pick here that makes a lot of sense for them um, because I do think if, if they were to pick him, and kind of have their 11 personnel sets where they have the really dangerous three receivers they have, but also the run game they could have with Darnell Washington leading the point of attack as kind of, you know, being that six offensive lineman to an extent, obviously, you know, he has some work to do to get all the way there, but I just think they'd have such a, 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 a kind of a, a way to attack defenses where, all right, you're going to, you know, oversell to commit to the run. We're going to throw to our best guys. You're going to overcommit to the pass. We're going to run down your throats with Darnell Washington now leading our way as a tight end. Um, I think it's a really good pick for them if they were, were to do that. I'm, I mean, I, I love Darnell Washington. I'm a Darnell Washington truther. I think he's a way better receiver than he gets credit for. So, Well, yeah, so. exactly, too. There's that, too. I mean, that's just, yeah, I, he's better than what they've had at the position overall. So he's a, it's a good pick for them. I am going to go with Brian Branch, the safety. Uh, last year they took Dax Hill, barely used him, uh, injury sidelined him, but they lost both starting safeties this year. I, I thought about corner as well. You know, if Deontay Banks was there, I think he'd be tempting. I know a lot of people want to go offense here. Like Darnell Washington makes a lot of sense, an extra tackle. You see Kincaid there some as well, maybe even a wide receiver, which seems preposterous, right? Uh, I think kind of like the Chiefs, a lot of the tackles are going to be combed over. They're still looking at tackle, but uh, I, I feel like the value at branch is just going to be too hard for them to pass up. Uh, Lou Anarimo loves, would love a chess piece like that. You get a Wouzier, Branch, Dax Hill on the field. That's the, you know, that's kind of their foundation for a, a new secondary, along with the uh, Nebraska corner that did pretty well last year for them. I like that. I like that pick a lot. I think that that it kind of make, it makes it makes a lot of sense for them. Um, I am going to stay on the on the offensive side of the ball for them. And I, I almost, almost gave them Dewan, Dewan Jones. I felt like they just want big, huge tackles at this point, and I, and you know, to go offset OBJ. Um, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna steal one of your picks for a different team earlier in the draft, and I'm gonna say that th- that with the, with the questions surrounding the Joe Mixon situation and the legal trouble that he seems to continually find himself in this offseason, that they're gonna go with Jameer Gibbs in the first round. That they're gonna. If, if Bijan was there, they would take him, but I think Bijan's going to be gone by that point. I think there's going to be two running backs taken in the first round. And I think that Jameer Gibbs to the Bengals kind of gives them that that big home run threat that they like. And so I'm going to say Jameer Gibbs to the Bengals with the last enemy pick. And that's it, boys. That's our enemy. That's our enemy mock. That's our Chiefs mock. I won't run through all the picks that we've made, but I have them all listed here. So as the draft unfolds, we will compare this, and after the fact, we will loop back around and see who gets the heavyweight belt for for who has the best prop bets for this for this draft cycle. Um, this has been a great episode, Ron. Man, thank you so much for being here with us today. Like, I am just super honored that you would come on Beach Season and hang out with me and Price and just join the party for a bit, man. Um, we like to do this every single time when we get when we have a esteemed guest on like as yourself and we call it the guest spotlight this is just your moment man to shine whatever's on your heart whatever's on your mind whatever's grinding your gears any topic whatever it may be draft pokemon hillary duff doesn't matter we love hillary duff on this podcast it's officially hillary duff podcast of the kansas city chiefs um what you got on your heart right now man hit us with it 
I don't have any Hillary Duff takes, uh, but appreciate you having me on, man. I, I've said it uh, once. I'll say it again. Beach season is is absolutely the 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 better name podcast of the two at, at the very least. Uh, you know, AP Draft Room, such a such a bland name. But beach season, I love it. It's just it's just a perfect name for a for a draft podcast. So shout out y'all. Y'all been doing great stuff all year, all off season. But it's my time as we as we finish out here. And the one thing I do want to say here as we get into draft weekend, let's just remember Chiefs Kingdom, the success that Brett Veach has had in the draft these past few years and, and remember the impact players he has brought in. And I do think the, the Chiefs coaching has a lot to do with how well these prospects have played so far in their careers or these draft picks, I should say. Just remember that because – not every draft is going to be that successful. And, and maybe this lesson isn't for this week because we won't know how successful this draft's going to be. We're all going to be excited about the picks they make no matter what, uh, you know, uh, by the time training camp rolls around, right? But I say that to say this is the draft is a crapshoot. And the Chiefs already have a disadvantage by never having a, a high pick, right? They always have to pick in the bottom of these rounds and, and they have to accumulate draft capital by trading away, guys. And, and even when they do trade away Tyreek Hill, like it's not like they got these like – a top 10 pick like the Eagles did and they're trading away stuff like you mentioned earlier price. And so they're playing at a disadvantage. And so just remember that this could be a bad draft. It doesn't mean Brett Veach is a bad GM. It doesn't mean that, that these last few drafts weren't actually good. A draft is a crapshoot, man. And, and he had a lot of, a lot of dart, uh, you know, dart uh, shots at the dartboard last year. You know, he has quite a bit this year. I don't think he makes as many picks as he did last year. He made 10 picks last year. He has 10 picks to work with right now. I don't think he finishes with the, as many. But it's just to say that if, the, if, 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 if there is an off draft, if, if, if it comes, you know, it, it's okay. Like, we're okay. Like, Brett Veach has killed his last few drafts. You still have Patrick Mahomes. He's going to make the most out of what he's been given. But you're not you, – Brett Veach isn't just this master drafter because of the last few drafts, and he's always going to knock it out of the park. That's not going to happen. And this year, even if it's in Kansas City, you know, it could be – it could end up being bad, but all I'm saying is it's okay. That's just how the draft works. The the real teams, the, you know, the real successful teams are the ones that have the framework the Chiefs do, the quarterback the Chiefs do, the coaching staff the Chiefs do. That's what matters, not – you know, having a GM that's better than anyone else in the in the draft at drafting because that's not how it works. No one's better that much better at anybody else. It's mostly a crapshoot, and that is my my sermon for the day. So thank you, fellas. Thank you. You for heard it here from that. you heard it here from Pastor Ron Cop here and the uh, uh, from his sermon, and it is words of truth, Chiefs Kingdom. Cling to them, meditate on them, put them in your heart, and carry them <laughs> with you always. All right, Price. Any any final parting words for our for our fr- for our friends here in Chase Kingdom before we before we sign off tonight. Hey, just just a reminder: if you're going out to the draft this week, uh, this weekend, uh, be a good steward of Kansas City. I know, like we love to hate on Bengals fans and Bills fans and that type of stuff, but like our city is on full display, so represent it well. Um, you know, don't drive drunk, don't do something stupid, don't get in a fight. There's a lot of people who are giving up a lot of their time law enforcement, first responders, uh, city officials to try to make this as good of an event as possible. Uh, so don't be a prick. Um, that, w- that would be my recommendation. Yeah. Just be a good human this weekend and take it all in. Um, I'd much rather be arguing with you about the value of running backs than like, you know, you and a drunken stupor trying to not get handcuffed. So just, just be a good person. Don't be a prick and be a good dude, Chiefs Kingdom. You heard it from Price Carter. All right, we're going to be signing off here. Just want to take a moment, though. 
Ron Cobb Jr. once again is going to be live at the draft, hitting you with with straight coverage all the way throughout um, the throughout the entire draft process. Also, he's going to be coming out with an AP draft room sometime right there in the bulk in the middle <laughs> of the draft to kind of recap all the craziness that's going on. Um, there is no editor show this week because Pete and John are gearing up and prepping for the draft and getting ready to hit the whole thing full force, especially with it being in Kansas City. As a replacement on Wednesday, we'll be film, we'll be um, recording a draft roundtable um, podcast, kind of in its place. We're just going to get all of our brightest minds at Arrowhead Pride together and just kind of, you know, talk draft and and, and shoot ideas back and forth. And it's going to be awesome. So be looking on the lookout for that. As we come into draft week, we're going to be hitting you with player profiles like you've never seen before. We've been doing player profiles up until now, but it's getting ready to ramp up. We are ramping up to the precipice of this thing, baby. And it's going to be awesome. So play, pay attention to the site. Um, each season, you know, as always, if you like what we're doing here, if you don't like what we're doing here, regardless, leave us a review, hit us with as many stars as you'd like. We'd like for it to be five stars, but if you don't think we earned them, we don't want any handouts. Right. And so, but if you think we've earned the privilege of your time in this podcast, then please be gracious with us, with your reviews. Um, as always, I'm at Rocky McGonya on Twitter. He is at Arrowhead Price. And then he is at Ron underscore cop. Thank you very much for joining us on this pre-draft extravaganza of each season. Once again, we'll hit you guys up next week with a recap. Take care. Be good to each other. And like Price said, be good people. We'll talk to you next week. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.